Let's see. Okay, I'll do that in a second. All right. Good evening, everybody. Good group here. So we are going to, this is week number three in a series um, that I started several months now, I guess, uh, about the reality of the supernatural. And that was our first week's topic and title, Reality of the Supernatural. Uh, The last time we talked about accessing the supernatural and Jesus' context for that. We looked at binding and loosing primarily. So I don't want to go into a lot of recap because got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So let's go to the next. Okay. So tonight what I want to look at is, so the last one particularly was about getting a breakthrough for others. So tonight I want to look primarily at how we get breakthrough for ourselves. Um, So we see here in 2 Timothy 2, 5 to 6, it says that athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules and hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. So first of all, from verse five, there are natural laws and there are spiritual laws. And we'll look at those in a few minutes, but why laws, why rules, why is that important? Um, A marathon runner who enters the race three quarters of the way through illegally, it'd be found out real fast that they would not be able to survive in a regular marathon. So as much as we like to sometimes, we cannot always circumvent or shorten God's process in our life. We have to play by the rules. Otherwise, we just keep going around the mountain. Keep going around the mountain until whatever it is he's trying to work in us gets worked in us. Secondly, hardworking farmers... Um, it's hard to release what you yourself haven't experienced. God wants you to taste of his love and his goodness first, basically overflow, before you can really give it to other people. So that's kind of the focus of of verse 6. John 8.32 says, When you know the truth, the truth will set you free first. Then you can set others free with that same truth. It doesn't really work too well if you yourself aren't walking in it, at least to some degree. Now, we oftentimes share things or uh, teach on things that we're coming into ourselves, but at least there should be a little bit of experience with it, right? So so how do we get breakthrough for ourselves? And primarily verse five, looking at some laws here. So the first one here is, before we get to the the actual law, I wanna wanna talk about this, this passage here. We're gonna read it. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down and the fowls of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground, sprang up and bear fruit a hundredfold. Jesus said unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, Those by the wayside are they that hear and the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts unless they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive their with joy and these have no root for a while, believe and then in time of temptation fall away. And they which among thorns are they which have heard the word go forth and are choked with cares, riches, pleasures of life and bring no fruit to perfection. But they on good ground are they which in an honest and good heart having heard the word keep it and bring forth fruit Unfortunately, with patience. Bring forth fruit with patience. <clears throat> so, a couple of facts about this. Um, first of all, the seed is the word of God. We all agree with that, because Jesus said so. The earth of the ground is the, the soil or the condition of our hearts, I would say. Fact number one is that there is nothing wrong with the seed. The word of God is incorruptible, according to 1 Peter 1.23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Heaven and earth will pass away. His words will not pass away. So there's nothing wrong with the word. Fact number two, the reaping depends then entirely on the condition of the soil. What's the value that we place on the word? What we do and don't do with the word Depends on if we get 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, or no-fold. It just becomes unfruitful. Fact number three. I feel like an inspector here. Um, 
Jesus doesn't list any hindrances that break the laws of nature. So, for example, in the natural, if there's no harvest or fruit, it's because the word or seed did not find and remain in good soil. Now, again, this is just basic one-on-one stuff here, but so if you plant corn, you're not going to get wheat. If you plant an apple tree, I've never ever seen a banana come off of an apple tree, ever. It just doesn't happen in the natural. Now, God could make it happen, but more than likely, if you follow the natural rules, you're going to get what it is that expected, what it is that you sowed into the ground. <clears throat> the world we live in is predictable in the sense that 20 years from now, we're going to know where the moon's going to be. We know when the next July 4th is going to be. We've got 10-year calendars. Uh, you know, the, the summer solstice and all that stuff, it's all in place. It's on a timely fashion. We, we, it's predictable. Well, in the same way, God's kingdom is also somewhat I don't want to say predictable, but there's order and it's not divided. There are spiritual laws that govern the things of God. And that's kind of what we're looking at tonight. So, for example, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. You can bank on it. He doesn't change. If there's a failure somewhere, it's not God. God is faithful and he never, ever, ever fails. Titus 1, 2 says God cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. You can trust his word. You can trust his promises. They are 2 Corinthians 1.20. They are yes and they are amen. In other words, they are true and they will be fulfilled. Isaiah 55.11, the word that I speak that goes forth, it will not return to me void or fruitless is what the word means. He doesn't change. His goodness remains the same. He is no respecter of persons. Romans 3.4 says, yea, let God be true but every man or, in, or every circumstance is a lie compared to God. Uh, let's see here. Psalm 89, 34, my covenant will I not alter, excuse me, I will not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my mouth. So he is, I don't want to say, he's predictable in that he, you can always trust him. You can always bank on God. It is a law that is unbreakable. He cannot lie. It is, um, it, it's just not in his nature. He can't do it. So there is a law of faith. And Romans 3.27 says that boasting is excluded. And it says by the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. So law is something that is constant and it is something that is unchangeable. Okay? And faith is governed by law. Interesting. So if you have a, for example, a plane crash, sometimes it's the pilot's error. Sometimes it's the weather. Sometimes they don't know, but it's never because the law of aerodynamics was not working that day. The law of aerodynamics always works. <clears throat> a law is something that's unchangeable. The law of gravity, if I drop a coin in Muncie, that same coin is going to fall to the ground in Shanghai or wherever you are. Now, you can work against laws or you can work with laws. You're all sitting on your chairs tonight. You don't have to hold on hoping that you float off or not float. I mean, you're working with gravity, right? You can work with laws or against them. So if you jump from a 15-story building without a parachute, it wasn't the devil's fault and it wasn't God's fault. Now, you may have been influenced by the wrong voice that got into your soil, but it wasn't either one of their faults. The devil can't make you do anything and neither can God. So what, you know, so the law of faith, basically, I'm just summing this up as best I know, okay? It's basically what's impossible through law or human effort, the law is in, you know, the, the law of Moses, you know, trying to earn righteousness, all that stuff. What's impossible through human effort, God makes possible now through faith because of the finished work of Jesus. It's possible now. All things are now possible with God. And now all things are possible to him who believes, Mark 9, 23. If you can believe, all things are possible. And the beauty of the law of faith is that it supersedes natural laws. Jesus walked on water. Jesus multiplied bread. He multiplied fish. He did all kinds of things that broke natural laws. People oftentimes have metal dissolve in their bodies that they've had because God just disappears it. Or limbs that grow out or instantly appear. 
that stuff seems to be fanciful until you have written documentation of it from a from a doctor's perspective. Um, so the law of faith can crash into our world because his world supersedes the natural world. Galatians 3, he who works miracles, does he do it by the works of law or by the hearing of faith? He works miracles by the law of faith. Miracles by definition are inexplainable by natural and scientific laws. The other thing about the law of faith is that it's given by grace. You can't earn it or work it up. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, um, by, by grace are you saved through faith, and that is not even of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't boast in what God has been, he's given to you. He gives you the faith to believe him. He gives you the faith to step out. So this is the first one here. Well, I'll get to the first law, which is the law of faith. I already said that, but Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the first law, law of faith, we must live by the faith of the Son of God. I want to talk about this briefly here. Many times we see italics in the scripture to indicate something that the translators have added in that was not a part of the original language. And most of the time they do this because it helps us make more English sense. For example, the scripture we'll read later, um, what things, soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So the things, them, and the them were added in. It should be believe that you receive and you shall have. Romans 8, 1 is another big one. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, period. That's the way it should read. And some of the newer translations are actually getting it right. But some translations throw in who walks not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Because there's got to be something we have to do, right? We have to somehow stay out of condemnation. I got to walk in the spirit, man. I got to make sure I'm doing it. And whether you're doing it right or not, there's no condemnation. That's the reality of it. So, <clears throat> so there, you know, again, it's, and there's, there, okay, I don't want to go through all the instances, but there are several. So all that to say Galatians 2.20 It says it's the faith of the Son of God, not in the Son of God. Now, I realize we have faith in God, but I I want to point this this slight nuance because this is huge. Romans 12.3 says, um, don't think of yourself higher than you ought because God has dealt to every person the measure of faith. He's given to every person the measure of faith. So technically, you have all the faith you need because it's the faith of the Son of God and it's not your faith. You can never manufacture faith. You can hear testimonies, you can read the word, and faith can come from that, right, by God speaking to you. But why do you think an unbeliever could read the entire Bible and never hear God? Because God has to speak to them. He has to, faith has to come from heaven, from the Lord in some way. Hebrews 12, 2 is uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of. It says, our faith. Our is not supposed to be in there. It's just faith. Jesus is the originator, the author, and the finisher of faith, period. Our, I get it, makes sense, but it was added in there. So, because the point is, is that Jesus is the one who starts it, and he's the one who finishes it, and it wouldn't make any sense if he was the one say, okay, you got to get from here to there. Good luck in the middle. No, he gives you the faith every step of the way. The just shall live by faith to faith to faith to hearing to hearing to hearing. Uh Uh-oh, had an unbelief moment. We crash for a moment. We get back up. We get back to the original word. Now faith again. Faith comes. Faith comes. Obey, believe, believe, obey, believe, obey. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing. It comes. Faith comes. And then uh, Galatians 5, it says that it's born through union with the Holy Spirit, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is 
faith. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit in the Spirit. It's of the Holy Spirit. So it's just a slight nuance, but it's kind of a, a huge thing that it's more about, if we can focus more about Christ in us than we do worrying about our faith. When you look at your faith, it'll be become small. So focus on the faith of Christ. Focus on him, what he can do, yes. what he is about, what his promise says, not whether or not you're good enough for it, not whether you have enough for it, because you've been, the faith of a grain of a mustard seed is more than enough. So that's all you need. Just don't let doubts get in and, oh, geez, I don't know, what am I doing, you know? <clears throat> Check these verses out. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. So faith of Christ is given, it's a gift. It comes by hearing the voice of God. But I would argue that belief is somewhat a choice in the matter, right? You get to choose to do what you want to do with the faith that he's put in you. He gives you the chance to believe. He wants all to come to repentance, right? Second Peter 3, 9. But not everybody believes. They choose to go the other way. The faith is there. He puts it in you by something you hear, something you see or whatever. It's right there. But they choose to go the other way. It's a choice. So if, um, so if you disbelieve, that doesn't make God's faith of no effect. He'll just find somebody else that will believe. He was still giving you the faith, right? <clears throat> Let God be true and every man a liar. So when we realize that faith is a gift, but then belief is a choice and it's not based on our emotions or how things look in the natural, then we're empowered more to choose just to believe and not try to figure it out. Whether I have enough faith or not, don't worry about it. You've got faith because Romans 12, three says you do. You do because Galatians 2.20 says you've got the faith of Christ in you. It's the hope of glory in you. It's not about you. Geez, I'm gonna give some words of knowledge here later. And guess what? Some of them might be wrong. I'm learning to hear the voice of God. Some of them might be right and they might, bam, kick the devil in the face. I'm hoping it's the latter. But if it's not, I'm still learning. You know, it's either he makes a stand or fall. You can't manufacture signs, miracles, and wonders. Just quit trying. Can't do it. <clears throat> so, um, now you may have to fight the good fight of faith every day, as it says, and that's by renewing our mind. But Romans 10, 11 says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So you will win in the end, even if you lose some battles. And you will lose some battles, unfortunately. Now, James 1 says it's the testing of your faith. So you, you will be given faith, right? But remember, it still came from him. Um, <clears throat> and if he's given it to you, that means you can prevail. Our job is to believe and obey rather than go the other way. Hebrews 3, where it says an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Faith is with God. Unbelief is departing from the living God. So I don't really want to go that way, even if I'm justified in my unbelief. Well, I prayed for this person and they died. I have a right to have my unbelief. No, you don't. You don't know why they died. You don't, you don't know. It's not your job to figure it out. Your job is to believe and obey. Don't worry about figuring it out. <clears throat> so the real issue is not, do I have enough faith, but rather, am I letting faith that he gave me Am I letting it get choked out? Am I getting my eyes off of Jesus and what he's spoken? You know, when Jesus said, where's your faith? It wasn't because they had none. It was because they were choosing to partner with fear and doubt. When Peter started walking on the water and he got his eyes off of Jesus, off of the truth, what happened? He began to sink. So isn't it interesting? Even while he's doing a miracle, the miracle itself was not enough to sustain his faith he still had to keep his eyes on Jesus in order to stay on the water. So there's a twofold process there. First, he heard come by Jesus. Faith comes by hearing. Then he got out of the boat and he did it. And secondly, if you're going to sustain in the miracle, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. It's all about 
focusing on him, not letting the waves and all that stuff get our focus off because the devil would love to distract us from what's really true. Abraham believed God. He did not consider his own body, right? If we were to have a tug of war tonight, two teams, one side was the unbelief side and one side was the the belief side, we could evenly distribute it where, you know, the knot in the middle barely moved. And this is probably where a lot of us sometimes struggle because we got faith, but then we're letting these darn doubts come in and we're not getting anywhere. We're back and forth. James 1 says, let, that, let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. Man, that's harsh. Double-minded man's unstable in all his ways, but that's what it says. So my job is not only get the faith of God, a grain of mustard seed, but I got to make sure those darn fowls of the air don't come and eat it. I got to make sure that I don't let fa- uh, the doubts and the unbelief crowd that sucker out and choke it out. The voice of faith has to be louder than any other voice because I want a crop. Amen. You know, I, I, I want something out of this. <clears throat> so the reason there are levels of faith is not because God has dealt more faith to me than you, but it's primarily the condition of the soil, cares, fears, anxieties, etc. And faith only emanates from Jesus who lives inside of you. Jesus will never give you doubts and unbelief. If you're getting those, those aren't from him. They're, they're not from him. We choose unbelief based on what we see or feel and not what the word says. Or we prayed and they died and they didn't get healed or whatever, but that doesn't give us an excuse to chuck the word of God. Matthew 10, to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead is still our commission. And guess what? It's impossible. And you can't do it anyway. So guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to rely on God like you never have before. That sounds like scripture. Without me, you can do nothing. Huh. But the problem is we get good at doing things. We get good at preaching or praying or testifying or whatever it is, whatever we're strong in, we get good at that. I'll, I'll take over from here, Lord. I don't need to cry out to you like I did the very first time. Imagine somebody coming here on a Sunday morning who has never preached and had to talk to 150 people. You think they'd be in their prayer closet? A little more than some of us guys maybe, you know, who uh, have been doing this for 20 years or whatever. You bet you they would. They're going to be relying on every ounce of strength that Jesus can give them. So, of course, the older you get into this, <laughs> you really do have to call on God for help. I mean, it's, you know, every time I'm up here, I don't care if it's 20 or 200, I'm still sweating it. So I still have to rely on Jesus. Um, get, getting better at worrying about what I look like, thankfully. But uh, not quite there yet. We're, get, we're getting there. <clears throat> or how it went, you know, or whatever. So we must settle in our hearts that the faith of the Son of God is more than enough in you to conquer your problems. It's more than enough. How do we know we're tapping into the faith of the Son of God? When there's peace, when there's rest. It's not striving and struggling. It's like Jesus in the midst of the storm, he was asleep. And from that place of rest, he was able to speak to the storm and the storm obeyed unlike the disciples who were freaking out, right? Another side note, he only gives faith for what is his will. James 4 says that sometimes we don't get answers because we don't ask. So ask, dream big, dream wild. But then the other part of James 4 says sometimes we don't get it because we're trying to consume it upon our lusts. So (laughs) there was a, the man who founded our church um, many years ago tried to walk on water and he failed. And he told the Lord about it. He said, you know, I had perfect faith to do this. He said, that's great, but I didn't tell you to do it. Yep. It's his faith. It wasn't Jesus' faith. Now, that's not to say that somebody couldn't go out there and try it. And God oftentimes will honor, you know, the faith where we've seen in others and would try things and do it but this isn't just games, you know, like it's, but again, I don't want to say that there always has to be a, you know, I don't know, have to be careful here. Like, I believe there always is a purpose in in some fashion or another, but 
sometimes God just likes to bless us just because we're his kids and he wants to do something, right? We step out, we try something, and he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bless their effort this time, you know? Now we try that 10 times, he may not always do it, right? So still we're living by faith to faith to faith, hearing the voice of God, but um, yeah, it's, so I guess the moral of the story, don't break natural laws unless God tells you to. <laughs> Jesus was tempted on the pinnacle to jump off, right? The spirit of suicide, which is a real spirit. And Jesus said, I ain't having it. He just quoted word to him. Now, if God tells him to do something, sleep in a storm, walk on the water during the storm, hey, that's no problem. But if the devil tries to get you because the devil was trying to do it from a place of, are you significant enough? Are you the son of God? That's when we know we're getting into, geez, do I have to prove myself here or am I just resting and it doesn't matter what it looks like. <clears throat> so another way that we can break natural laws is if you're believing for healing of lung cancer and you're still smoking, eh, that's kind of testing God a little bit, wouldn't you say? We cooperate with the laws, right? Uh, so do the natural things, believe God, you know, he's our healer, our doctor, but we certainly don't want to be foolish. There's a story I read about a man who was on the circuit. This was back in the 80s, and he was uh, Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship. He was a farmer, but he decided not to plant his seed until, and I'm terrible at this, Brian would know, but I don't know, it was like in October instead of summer, whenever you're supposed to do it. See, I don't even know I'm not a farmer. Okay. It was, okay. Okay, if it was weed is July, okay. I don't know which one it was. Uh, maybe it was a bad example to bring up, but the point is, is that he tried to plant it three months beyond the time you're supposed to, and he still wanted to harvest. It was like, hey, I believe in God. It doesn't work that way. He was breaking natural laws, and unless God said you need to do it this way, you just can't, you know, come up, manufacture faith to start getting a crop that you didn't plan in the right season, right? So that's what I mean by just breaking natural laws, uh, you know, and unless God tells you to, so. Okay, foot out of mouth on that one. Let's keep moving forward. <laughs> Law number two, believe first and then receive. Believe first, then you receive it. Otherwise, it's not really faith. It's not really belief. We must choose to believe God's word is true regardless of our natural circumstances or, you know, or, or what we're feeling. Romans 3, 4, God be true and every man a liar. Your feelings are liars. If I was to tell you right now, somebody, I was to say, hey, I just got a phone call that your such and such, real close friend or whatever, was just killed in a car accident, and you believed me, you'd begin to get emotions and fears and anxieties and anger, and it's all a lie because you believed a lie. And how many times does the devil come and whisper lies and, oh, oh my gosh, it's so true. You know, we, he puts it in the first person many times. You're just, uh, or I can't do that, you know. So you got to really check that. Really check and, and check that voice with the word of God. Because God's faithful. He's never failed. He's never missed it. Maybe I missed it. Maybe you missed it. Maybe Satan stole it. Maybe I gave it up and aborted it, you know, a promise baby. But God does not change. He is faithful and he cannot lie. Faith never looks at the scene realm first. And so we, you know, like we can't go by whether we feel God's love or not. We know he loves us because the word tells us that. And when we believe the word, then we begin to experience the emotions of that truth. But if you always have to wait for your emotions, you're going to get very little reaping, you know, if you're always waiting to see some kind of a result first. So that's the divine order. Here it is in scripture. Have faith in God. Again, doing some research. This is really have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. It's a gift. For surely I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, then he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them then 
and then later you will have them in the natural. So the answer is on its way, not when you see it. Could be 30 seconds after you pray, could be 30 minutes, could be 30 days, or you get the point. But the key is that we believe when we pray, not before we see it. You know, Jesus said, which is easier, your sins are forgiven or to take up your bed and walk? Now, we don't say, I wish God would take away my sins because we know he already did that. But when it comes to the reality of the cross and being by, healed by Jesus' stripes, that's a little harder because it's, you know, it's, we have to see that in the natural, right? So Jesus is not saying that you pretend your sickness isn't there or your ailment, and he's not asking you to look away Excuse me, he's, yeah, or, no, or excuse me, he's not asking you to say it doesn't exist or it's not really there. What he's telling you is that our eyes and our focus needs to be not on the sickness, but on the solution, the remedy, right? The promise of God, the word of God or Jesus. Uh, in Numbers 21, you can just jot down it, you know, that's where Jesus, excuse me, God told Moses to point the people to a bronze serpent. Bronze uh, signifies judgment, I'm told. It's a serpent on a pole. It was a pic picture of the cross. And so the problem, the serpent, was already judged. Whoever looked at that bronze serpent was healed. Whoever looked at their wounds, they ended up dying. And it's just a perfect analogy for the cross. So focus on Jesus in this process. Believe first, then receive. Number three, the law of sowing and reaping. And we've been kind of talking about that. You must sow the word of God. Okay? So we must sow... And we must sow the word of God. <laughs> Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Wherever man sows, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to his spirit will of the spirit reap life everlasting. So we saw in, um, in Mark chapter 11, speak to this mountain. Say something to it. That's sowing. When God creates things, he always speaks them into existence with words. Romans 4.20. He calls those things which be not as though they are. You don't get a crop if you don't sow a crop. It's crop if you believe it. <laughs> Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So you get to eat what it is that you, you know, what's your tongue saying? You get to eat the fruit of that. And notice it's death first, because that's our natural inclination. We tend to go the death route. So we gotta refocus that and speak life, focus on speaking life. Romans 10.10, 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You sow the word in your heart, you believe it, but you make it reality when you sow it in the atmosphere by confessing it. Now, I'm not going to tell you that every time somebody, uh, you know, there are instances where people don't have the opportunity to confess it. You know, they're on their deathbed or they're in a coma or whatever, you know. But the point is, is that confession is very powerful and it is a form of sowing that we cannot ignore, okay? So, because many times people pour water or sowing on barren ground. They don't have a promise or word of God to back up what they're praying about. They're just praying, Lord, I want this, I want this. Well, put some promise to it. What's God saying about it? Get the promise of God on your situation. And if you don't know, pray in the spirit. And then he'll work it out for you. Then maybe something will pop up. So you have to first sow the word of God. You start having a relationship with the word of God and you will get pregnant. You will begin to bear fruit. You'll begin to show. It is impossible not to when you sow the word of God. It's impossible unless we start choking it out. Yeah. The unbelief starts, you know, killing off, choking it out, whatever. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Yes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and they are health to all their flesh but you have got to keep your attention on them. You have got to keep them in the midst of your heart. They will not fail you because God is not a liar. He cannot lie. And this word flesh means in the natural, right? In heaven, we don't need it. 
Flesh and blood doesn't inherit the kingdom of heaven. So it has to be talking about why we're on earth. That's when we need healing, not when we're in heaven. <clears throat> so the farmer needs to be the first to be the partaker, right? We cannot wait on the man or woman of God to show up and pray for us, to contend for us. That's why we're learning because it's possible for, for others to, to uh, for us to reap what others have sown, right? I can pray for you, you get healed, you had nothing to do with it or whatever. You may not even have faith for it. I had faith for it. God healed you. And those are great. And God does that many times. But the point of tonight is, is that Jesus said, you know, we don't want to just be on the milk of the word where we always have to be fed. Somebody else has to teach us. Somebody else has to give us faith or whatever. We need to, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I need to, to dig in and find out what God has for me and, and learn to bring those things in this realm myself. Right? It doesn't exclude us from the necessity of the body, but it's still, you know, the body works so much better when every part is functioning, when every part is giving and receiving. You know, instead of just what usually happens, 10%, you know, of, of, of the body is doing 90% of the work or whatever that quote is, right? <clears throat> so if every part, you know, does their function, you know, and just like on our bodies, you know, hands go forward when the feet go back and vice versa. So it walks in unison. So how do we sow? We sow by declaring the word, by praying the word, doing the word, meditating on the word, prophesying the word. As we obey his word, we're sowing to the spirit, praying in tongues, thanksgiving, praise, fasting, all these things are the word of God, you know, in action. But believing his word is something that you will have to fight and contend for pretty much every day. And that's where it says, hide his word in his heart. Psalm 119, 11. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Sin against you means you've given me the faith to believe, but I've chosen to disbelieve. That, that's, that, that's the, in my opinion, the sin of it. He's shown me clearly what it is, and here I am doubting and disbelieving. So in a sense, I'm sinning against his word. So keep it in your heart. Don't let things steal it away. Number four. the law of giving and receiving. Sow into others, give, serve. Luke 6, 38, give, and it will be given to you. You can mark it down. It is a law of the Spirit. If you give, you will be given too. God promises it. It's the way it is. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So the idea is uh, like a flour sack. You put more flour in, shake it. Press it down, shake it, put more in until it's overflowing in the sack. It's the, idea, the, the picture is overflow. It's that kind of receiving that you'll get from giving. Ah, for with the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. That's another law. The law of measures, I guess you might say. For the same measure you use, it'll be given back to you. This widow put in more than they all did, right? Because she really was really given. The others were just, eh, you know. So the point of this one is if you need a prophetic word, then go give one. If you need healing, go pray for someone. Fellowship is as much about giving as it is receiving. And sometimes the church and fellowship is the only place that you will get breakthrough. Sometimes God will hide the word that you need in somebody else's mouth in the body that you don't really like. Or that rubs you the wrong way. And I hate that, but it is true because <laughs> I've experienced it. So humility, come to the rescue. In Matthew 18, it says, where two of you agree on earth is touching anything. Can't do it alone sometimes. Yes, God answers our prayers. But for whatever reason, sometimes there's got to be two of you to get this thing done. It's the context of the church body working together, right? Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you can be healed. Sometimes healing only comes as we do it in front of others, you know. Jesus was perfect, and yet he needed a ministry team and a community. He had disciples. He had women that were helping and minister and serving and giving of their livelihood to him. So the farmer must be the first to eat the fruit, but woe to him if he doesn't feed his family and sell his crop as well. 
Indeed, we're held accountable to God for the things that he's given us and we're not using them. Proverbs eleven twenty four to 26. There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. I love that last one, of him who sells it. You don't have to do everything for free, right? You can, sell, you can, you can make money from your services, right? You know, just such an abuse of this, I think, in the 80s when men that had their livelihood always felt compelled that they had to do all their services to the church for free. And I'm not saying that that isn't good, okay, and God may be telling you to do that, but it's okay uh, if there is charge for your services, if you're, you know, AC and heating and cooling or whatever it is, right? Like not everything has to be totally free in that sense, okay? Now, God may put it on your heart to do that, and that's great, and I think it's, it's good when we're in our own body and, you know, you have AC people, they, you know, it's probably good they help out, you know, that kind of stuff. But point is, is that, you know, don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn or the grain or whatever. <laughs> I forget how it says it. You know, don't, the, the, the labor is worthy of his wages. Okay, so, um, so just keep that in mind. There's, uh, let's see, where's the verse here? First Corinthians 14, it says, let all things be done unto edification. How? By being other focused. Every one of you has a psalm, teaching, revelation, interpretation. He says every one of you. I mean, I know I need to press into that a little more on Sunday morning sometimes. I get, you know, like, I could probably literally try to give a word of knowledge every Sunday. And I realize that sometimes there's overkill on, on that kind of thing. But, you know, I think more of us need to be kind of pushed a little bit to, hey, let's, you know, it's not just the same three or four people that always give words. How about somebody from the back? You know, and, and I'm talking to myself too, but you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, just put a little, uh, d- a demand, a, a little bit of a, an uncomfortableness to it, right? Uh, Romans 12:5. we, though many are one body, says we are members of one another. We are members of one another. So sowing into you, I'm actually sowing into me. Scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice. So you have an opportunity to sow against the spirit of jealousy because you got a breakthrough. You got a new house and I didn't. How am I going to treat you? You got healed and I didn't. Jealousy can open evil for all kinds of things, right? So we need to sow against that. We need to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. We need to weep with those who weep. And that's inconvenient, right? going to funerals and, you know, all that. It's, it's inconvenient sometimes to go out of our way to weep with those who weep. But the scripture says to do it. So let me just note this, that there are seasons where you may need healing, a sabbatical, a break that is longer than one Sunday, okay? Chris Vallotton, one of the great revival leaders, we'll get to hear him in a few minutes. I have a video clip of him. He was on the couch for three months, world-known revival leader, three months suffering depression, because his son, something in his personal life, had had a divorce and he just kept pushing himself and didn't take care of his body and blah, 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 blah. And so 2003, I had a similar thing. It was mostly because I didn't have an identity in Christ. It was identity in serving the church. So I did more and more to serve the church and they were about to cut my pay. So I did more and more. And I was doing the job of basically four people. You know, I was associate pastor. I was the worship leader. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was the youth pastor and I was the principal of our Christian school. And nobody could see the breakdown coming. Nor I, because I never did it. I, what's a breakdown? My faith, brother, you can do it. Strength of the Lord. It was stupid. Oh, it came crashing down hard. Took about three years to recover and six months to really recover in the sense of feeling normal again. Our last assignment of pastoring, in some ways, we're still kind of recovering from some of that. Still have counseling. Every one of us has brokenness. It's okay. Just keep giving. God uses broken vessels. Doesn't matter if anybody, nobody up here will be perfect. So, But those seasons don't last forever. God will restore your soul. And he does not use us up just to discard us. He always has a purpose. He always works all things together for the good. Praise God for that. Last thing I'll say about this one. 
Jesus modeled humility in John 13 when he took a towel and served the disciples. And when you're sowing into others, you're really is showing an aspect of humility, right? Because God fights the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. One of the worst defeats in human history for the devil was when Jesus, instead of binding principalities or whatever, he humbled himself completely to the point of the death of the cross. And it was the greatest blow to Satan that he didn't see it coming. That utter humility caused not only Jesus to rise again, he rose again from the dead, but he also brought many sons of glory with him because he included us in the crucifixion. We were raised with him. So that was a huge victory. And now Jesus has the name above all names. So God will exalt you in due time. if You can hang on. Humility in due time brings exaltation to you and to those around you. Amen. That's, an, that's a good word there. I'll, uh, okay. Last law here. The law of endurance. <laughs> you must persevere until the harvest, until the birth. But they on good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Hebrews 6.12, be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. It's the hardest step, but it's one of the most important and all previous steps mean nothing if you fail here. Luke 11, the friend at midnight, remember that? Because of his shameless persistence, he was able to get as much bread as he needed. Had nothing to do with their friendship. It only had to do with him being stinking persistent. Luke 18, the parable of the widow with the unjust judge, it had nothing to do with the fact that she was being, having injustice done to her. It was simply because he was tired of her continual coming and she was being, he, was, he was weary of her coming. The only reason breakthrough came was because of perseverance. They kept coming, they kept asking, they kept knocking, they kept seeking. You're going to win if you just don't quit. <laughs> so unfortunately that's hard, but that's, that's the law. It's the law of endurance. Luke 18, Jesus says, the reason I'm telling you this parable is to show you that men ought always to faint and not pray day and night. He shall avenge them speedily. Matthew eleven twelve says the violent take the kingdom by force. This is still a New Testament principle. How bad do you want it? How bad do you really believe it? And what are you willing to do to get it? I love the one and done prayers as much as anybody. And we should always believe for the one and done prayer that God manifests it immediately. But guess what? It doesn't always happen that way. And when it doesn't, what will you do? How will you, how will you handle it? Right? Because there is a distance sometimes between God's yes and God's amen. And we don't always get to see what that distance is. I mean, if we could see in the, in the spirit what was going on, man, we'd love it. I mean, Daniel had no problem in chapter 9. I mean, at the end of his praying, the angel came with the answer. But put it to the test, when the, when the devil seeks, seeks, excuse me, sees what's going on, well, it took 21 days for the answer to come. So we have to not look at the calendar and just look at the promise, right? Focus on what God has told us. What does his word say? Galatians 6, 9 says, In due season we shall reap if we faint not. So I have a video clip. Yep, it's going to be a few minutes long here. I won't say how long, but it, it's good. I want to, uh, before I close out here, I just want to share this video with you because I think it's really good. So the context of the video is Chris Valentin always wanted to be in the ministry. He wanted to be in the kind of ministry where he get paid to talk, is what he would say. Because Bill would say, well, you're in the ministry, right? We're all in the ministry, right? Whether we're up here, but he said, no, I want to do what you do, Bill. And he could tell that story much better than I could, obviously. It's Chris Valentin. So, yeah, endurance. (laughs) You know, I mean, sometimes there are these things, you know, we're we're in the midst of a situation where we've got something going on that we're doing everything we know to do to pray and fast and believe and sowing the word and watering the word. And there's just some things you just can't hurry God's process. I don't know why. I mean, we're trying to make sure, is there pride? Is there something we're out of line with his will? It's good to check all that stuff. But as he said, God is in the people making business. And we just don't know all the stuff behind the scenes that's going on. 
So I believe when it comes to sickness that we should contend tooth and nail for healing ASAP, right? And shoot for 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I believe that we, you know, we should contend for healing. But there are other promises where God has to take us through a process sometimes. And he, earlier in the message, he said, you know, the more words that you get for something, it means you're going to need them. If you get 10 words for something, oh, you're going to be missionary to China. Well, just get ready because it may be hell getting to that place. Not always, but just you're going to need all the words that you had because of the resistance that you may be experiencing to get from the yay to the amen. So um, it's not to be discouraged. It's just to encourage you that, hey, we just we work with the Lord in this process. Uh, Jesus, it took 30 years before he got to do his ministry. 30 years. The guy was already perfect. What more does he need? Why, does he, why can't he do it when he's 20 and have 13 years of ministry instead of just three? I don't know. Doesn't matter. He just, when it was time, he got up and read Isaiah 61, and there it was. David was anointed king, and 13 years later, he took the throne. When Saul got it in a matter of a week, he was a lousy king because he didn't have a heart of a king. Joseph, the same thing, about 13 years. And in, in his prison, and when he was, you know, Potiphar made him in charge of his house, and then he was thrown into the prison, the dungeon. It says the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. Success in God's eyes is not based on the natural or what we think is success. It's, did you do God's will? Are you where he wants you to be? Because we often look at money or success or we think in terms of, uh, you know, what it looks like in the natural and God's just focusing on building a son or a daughter of the Most High. So I, <clears throat> I don't want to take the time to go through this since we already took a lot of time, but there's kind of the recap of, of all of the laws. And, um, you know, really this last one is the most important, but, but they're all important. You know, you have to sow the word and... and um, believe that you receive so take these things because these are things to for for you yourself to get breakthrough you know for yourself and for your family um jesus he gives us reasons why sometimes the word of god or the promises do not come to pass in our lives but none of them are because the seed is bad and so or, or that he changed his mind he's a good father uh he always is and so the next time we'll look a little bit more at verse six uh we'll kind of look at some of the hindrances that that won't necessarily speed up the process, but they certainly won't hinder the process. If we can, you know, navigate through some of these things that can get in our way of getting from the yea to the amen. So at least that's what I think the Lord's going to do next time. That's kind of where we're leaning here. So, so I'm going to pray for you here in just a second. I want to just pray for mostly the grace to endure to the harvest time. Um, but I just did want to share a couple of words of knowledge. There was a couple uh, words that